The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Hey, hey, it's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod. And Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. Back again, Justin, the producer at I am Justin Bailey. And my eyes don't work too well, but it looks like Tom Schreier has emerged at T Schreier 3, the co founder of Zone Coverage. Did you hear my joke about you being in yep. your own head? So I'm going to be honest about this. First of all, not great planning by Tom Schreier, head of his own coverage. Put that uh, on your family crest. It's no, seriously. If I I was with my friends this weekend, I had a couple friends come in who uh, we all went to school in California. We're all kind of all over the nation right now. But uh, the commonality, the one thing all of them will tell you is I'm the worst planner ever, and they're scared for this company. Um, I'm sorry to announce that on this podcast, and uh, I'm certain other people from the yeah, if people are listening zone coverage. But uh, but yeah, the uh, it was not great to. I obviously went out to. Milwaukee, where um, I didn't know if you know this, Justin Bailey is king. Actually, they have uh, they have a statue. They have a statue. Hmm. Um, I stayed in Bayfield, wonderful Bayfield, nice. outside of Milwaukee. I nice. think it's Bay- Bayfield, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was a uh, Lifetime Fitness there, which I am a member of. There is going to be one there, but when I pulled up to some weird golf road or whatever, I was like, well, there is nothing here. Mm-hmm. Turns out that's what happens when a building hasn't been built yet. But it was a it was a good good trip. It was really quick. It, those were like three forty five, right? I mean, those were long games. Um, really exciting baseball. Yeah, generally all speaking, over, all over oh, 347, 348. If you if you uh, if you just watch that YouTube game, like you're just a fan of baseball, you got your money's worth. I guess you didn't pay for it, but I guess YouTube probably stole all your information. So however you wanna consider the cost of watching that thanks zuckerberg yeah you, you uh whatever um but uh but yeah i mean it, they were they were both phenomenal games but uh but yeah i should have been here to talk about it i was going to call into the show here's the problem with shopping with people when you're buying for a large group there's always one person who like assumes it's their grocery trip and just buys groceries for themselves argues about things was going to get peanut m&ms and there's a gr- guy in our group who gets who's allergic to peanuts you can't have those in the house. So, uh, so yeah, we had a we had maybe a hour and a half long Cub Foods trip. Oh, I don't want to spend that long in any Cub Foods. Ba- Justin Bailey, honestly, did you stay in? Oh wow, that's really loud. Did you stay in Bayfield or Brookfield? Bayfield. Bayfield. I think I stayed in Brookfield when I was there. Bayfield is like the northern tip of Wisconsin. No, that is wrong. So I stayed 15 minutes west of the ballpark. Okay, yeah, Brook, I think that was probably Brookfield. 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 Sorry, it was Brookfield. Good job. I um I cannot remember suburbs. Like Chris from Cleveland is from Shaker Heights, and I've called it Shaker Hills before. I uh, I barely know where I'm from, so it's a uh, Shoreview. It's, it's a Shoreview, mm-hmm. not Shorewood. Often confused yeah. with the Minnetonka area suburb. Minnetonka but, um, suburb, yeah. But yeah, so uh, so I was out there, was not able to comment on it. I, I I don't know. What, I think you guys actually broke it down super well. Beyond the intro, which was the worst intro that's ever happened to this podcast, and this is what happens when Justin Bailey thinks it's like he's the co-host. Like literally the worst intro I've ever heard how, to a podcast. How was it worse than the 30 to 50 feral hogs? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 
I mean, I, I, there's nothing worse than 30 to 50 for logs. <laughs> it's true. I suppose it's the second worst. Unfortunately, we've had two bad ones in the last like four episodes, mm-hmm. but, yeah. um, but no, it was, it was funny. Uh, I did learn that Justin Bailey, like literally like 36 other people steals my <laughs> cable. I should just give it out on the podcast. And it's like, Hey, if you're uh you're a twins fan out of state who listens to our podcast. You can watch all the games for free on my Xfinity account, but you should do like a, uh, what, what do they call it? Where you call a Venmo account? Right, People right. Chip in a couple bucks. But my whole thought when I was there was this people are going to tweak out because you had that bad Indian series, essentially, or at least bad results, although very close games. I think people are going to look at Milwaukee's record and say the Twins should beat them. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference between the Brewers, and you can talk to this, Bailey, and and the Twins, is the Twins have two good teams in the division. And we'll get to how this influences the rest of their schedule. Milwaukee has three. And and you know what I mean? There's just more teams that are going to beat up on you. Um, And I think... Uh, Compared to this division, they might have five. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh would probably be in third place in this division. Yeah, I think everybody. Oh, they've been horrible since the break, but yeah. I think yeah, I think everybody in the central is closer than everyone in or the, the NL, NL central yeah. the AL, yeah. as opposed to the AL. And and that's kind of true across the NL. I mean, outside the Marlins, like that NL East has a lot of 500 teams and the Braves kind of the same thing for for the NL West, right? So I mean, they they're just probably going to play better teams night in night out. I I thought Milwaukee was a really good team. I I think it's it's more when they beat up on the Twins, they beat the Twins. I, that first game looked like the Twins had it in hand, right? Mm-hmm. That that would be a pretty easy game. Milwaukee came back, and then obviously late comeback by the Twins. The other one, Justin Bailey, I literally maybe shouldn't tweet or text. I mean, <laughs> maybe shouldn't tweet either. But you tweet, you just retweet us. I, I don't tweet, and I think the world is better for it. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, the <laughs> our text thread, I, I think we at some point need to make it public, at least sections of it, because it's like the old it, slack. It is. It is. Yes, it's the old slack. It is literally like I, I want to set my fo- phone on fire every time. It's I definitely get, a little off the rails when the Brewers and Twins play. It was. And, and that for anyone involved is an emotional series. It's also such I would recommend people getting out there. It's about a five hour drive, I'd say mm-hmm. the park. Because I know Mr. Bailey thinks highly of the park. Oh, you think you think it's literally his home. I thought I was in Janesville <laughs> in Justin Bailey's childhood home. I've spent a lot of time there. It, it's it is the perfect park for like I love Kansas City's park, but mm-hmm. it makes no sense that it's just outside. Given that like Kansas City has the most ridiculous weather, mm-hmm. it's like epic biblical storms right there. I think like with it's so funny that now Texas, the Rangers, where they just were, it's obvious why they're building the indoor park. Although a little sketchy that. They're just building it right next to it, a 20-year-old park. But something like the Brewers have makes sense there. I would say my preference is something like the Twins, you know, target field, which is built in the city. Like if you're mm-hmm. sitting on the left field, you actually are seeing buildings right behind it. Um, however, it's nice. I was talking to my uncle who Justin Bailey, and my uncle, would be like homies because my uncle is a huge, huge Brewers fan. We actually watched that Cleveland Boston game on ESPN together mm-hmm. um, and like has an incredible recall. I was looking up stuff on baseball reference as he was talking about it, and he knows like years guys are all stars, you know, the exact record Sounds of like all Stu the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, this he's a diehard. He would hose down Justin Bailey if he ever came near his house. He'd literally <laughs> get out the garden hose and just be like, we, we gotta, we gotta clean you up before I let you in the house, but, um, but yeah, we were, we were talking and he, so he's in green Bay. He is about two hours, I think from Milwaukee and three, three and a half from Chicago. And the thing is he loves Wrigley. Like he'd love watching the brewers there. But the nice thing about the brewers is that, you know, that game will be played. 
I, I don't know how they decide when the roof opens and closes because sometimes it was yeah, like it's it's a little unclear what goes into that decision. Obviously, when it's sunny and 70, it's going to yeah. be open. But um, it's always I think there's like a Twitter account that keeps track of like the first time it's open in the season. And there's always like a little bit of an issue where um if it's maybe 55 degrees and sunny, do they open the window? There's, it's a weird cutoff. And when they open yeah. it and close it, um, but so even I, after the game, like one night it was closed, one night it was open. Yeah. Um, it was, but it's, it's better open. However, it doesn't yeah. feel as open because you still have the glass window. Yeah. Also, it looks off into nothing. It's like national salvage yeah, and yeah, like the yeah. freeway. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that because Miami has it a does get really stuffy in there. Some, if it's, it did the, if it the is, first game. Yeah. If it is hot outside, if it's hot enough to have the roof open, yeah. but there's like rain or something. Yeah. If, if it's really humid outside and the roof's closed, it gets really stuffy in there. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, so, so it also just like the Miami one overlooks the, um, the skyline, which mm-hmm. Miami skyline is, is one of the best in, in the U S I was just kind of like, why is this where, I mean, there's, there's nothing in Milwaukee. Yeah. Like, there's how far like, is it from downtown? Uh, with or with traffic, maybe 15, 20 okay. minutes, but it's, it's really not too far. It's just facing the opposite direction and Yeah, that's because when that's where County stadium was and yeah. that's where. Um, like the original, original stadium was. It's always been in that little block, the little, little league park in the parking lot, Telfair. Yeah. I think it's called that. The home plate is the home plate from County Stadium. Oh, cool. Um, so to build it, I think County Stadium was angled a little better for views, but because they needed to keep that stadium there while they were building Miller Park, it, they were kind of limited on the direction it could face. Yeah. Um, and, and the white side, there's something with the white socks. Cause like mm-hmm. there must, there's a reason why that doesn't face downtown. It probably should the faces the Robert Taylor homes where Kirby bucket grew up. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, I, I want, wait a yeah. second. I want Bailey to address a rumor. Were you actually conceived at County Stadium? <laughs> I really hope so. I really hope My so. My mom who listens to the podcast can oh, probably no. speak to that better than I can. I don't, I mean, I hope so, she remembers. Did you see the gif I used when she, commented on our Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I used the, I don't know what Miami Heat player it is, but he's sitting on the bench and he's shaking his head. <laughs> then he takes a breath and he's like, then he starts nodding. <laughs> and it's just like how we all feel when we're like in disbelief. And then we have that moment where we just come to grips with it. Yeah. And it's like, well, and it, it was your mom saying that she's trying to get you to come back to the side or come to the side that the ALDH way is proper and you just yeah. won't do it. I like watching pitchers bat. It's fun. So let's talk about that briefly. I know this is the, actually our Friday episode that we're doing Monday, or Tuesday, whatever day it is. But I, uh, I think it was I I asked Rocco about that because he he got, he experienced it early. I think they played in Philadelphia and in the the Mets early. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who uh, that's who Cleveland has tonight. Yeah, which well, Mets a weird team, but um, he he is not thrilled with the NL stuff. I could pick up on that. He you know I think the argument. Do you actually like seeing? pitchers hit or do you like the strategy of the double switch and the you know should yeah i mean obviously i would prefer somebody who could actually hit the ball be up there swinging but i also think you're a you're playing you're on the field like you're a pitcher you're on the field you're playing you shouldn't be so useless with a bat in your hands um so i think a little bit of it is just learn how to swing a little bit better obviously i'm a fan of better at bats that you typically get with a dh um but it really it is that sort of gamesmanship it is it's that 
Um, Do you want to pull the picture now? Exactly. Or, yeah. Um, I think I, it adds a second layer to the game that um, not it's not always obvious what's going on behind the scenes. I use soccer as an example. I never yeah. watched soccer growing up. I never played soccer. So I understand there's something happening on the field. I just don't know what I'm watching. So the sort of that behind the scenes sort of thing isn't always apparent, but it is very obvious. Baseball definitely is the sport that rewards you most for understanding the most people yeah. argue football. Cause people know so much about even the average fan does, mm -hmm. but you know where the players are positioned roster management until the, you know, the 40 man, but also you're, you're, pitch basically count a, you're basically describing a reef. Right, right. But, uh, but I mean, all these things, who's on your bench? And I think there is, there is an added element to it. I've always been a fan. This is kind of the Joe Posnanski and I'm sure there's other people, but he's written about a lot, the, a fan of both that you can watch. It is a very different game when you watch yep. it there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and like I said, I mean, it's great. I, as much as I complained about various things in the ballpark, it is a great park. It is fun when you have equal fans from, or relative equal from, Minnesota and Milwaukee and kind of going back and forth, especially as the, yeah, yeah, yeah. as it changes. The yeah, the games up here, the games there are always pretty even. Yeah. Um, it's really fun. And that's why I'd say get down there if you're a fan, just yeah. because it yeah. is, it's a cool stadium. It's a cool experience with both fan bases there. It is a very different game. Rocco Baldelli, of course, grew up in Boston, or grew up in Rhode Island, but Boston Red Sox fan, played for Tampa in one year in Boston, mostly was part of the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Mm -hmm. He just openly admitted, he's like, yeah, it's, it's a little more work um, mm -hmm. figuring all that out. I didn't, did you notice anything that he did wrong? I never kind of, I was like, I don't think the NL rules caught up to him or anything, but. No, not particularly. But yeah, what a, what a game. If you're, I Matt, it's Matt, Matt Albers, right? Was the guy who. Oh yeah. Um, I assume Who's he, apparently having a much better year than I even thought he was having. Yeah. Kind of, very little confidence every time. No, that was like out, a but. Ben, 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 Ben. And, you know, Brandon, you've, you've talked about this CJ crone, which I think he was a great pickup. Good defensively really is kind of sliding recently. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like it's the risk basically. Yeah. And I, you just never know with players that how honest are they when they say that, you know, I, oh, I'm a hundred percent. I'm, I'm fine. I think a lot of those guys are good enough to play and it's hard to, especially when part of it was a thumb injury, right? Mm hmm it's hard to say, oh, it's my thumb, right? Most people just play through it, man, tough it out. It could is, be impacting him. Thumb is important for everything you do with your hands. I mean, yeah. from playing video games, you know, having the huge, but it gives you the strength. Like that's where all your strength of your hand comes from. Without yeah. a thumb, you couldn't do anything. Yeah. So Justin Bailey literally just dropped his mic as hard as possible on that day. Dude, I don't think your point was that good to do a <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought, I thought it was a good back and forth. And then the twins, in my estimation, as much as those games were maybe closer than people wanted, mm -hmm. I thought what they did was impressive. They did what they had to do in Texas, get getting that sweep, but also in conditions where literally like zero fans wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. The the oppressive heat and all that. W were you impressed with Texas? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the Twins played like amazingly. I think they they were okay, but to get a four game sweep for the first time in Texas in the last series at. Globe Life. I, I always want to call it the ballpark in Arlington because I feel like, you know, that's what it was first and it just kind of yeah. never, never changes. But yeah, I, you know, you don't have to be at your best to beat a team that's kind of reeling. Texas has not been great since the trade deadline and or since the uh, all-star break. But to go out and beat Lance Lynn and make Lance Lynn look like the Minnesota Twins version of Lance Lynn was pretty cool is too. It, is there anything funnier than Lance Lynn being like a Cy Young potential guy? <laughs> But I saw someone say that it was like the Lance Lynn trifecta or what superfecta, whatever, yeah. whatever betting term, but it was gave up a 
uh, had a glassy stare for his left fielder who missed uh, fly ball, and then he, something else he did where he threw yeah. 100 pitches in four innings, and it just looked like the Lance Lynn that had spent half a year in Minnesota as opposed to the guy who was really, really good, and, and probably Bailey saw a lot of him when he pitched for the Cardinals and was, again, yeah. really All good. fastballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't screw around with the secondary stuff. I don't think he's afraid of anything, literally anything. No. But what are you going to do? Yeah, so I, you know, I thought that was a pretty, pretty impressive series. I know people freak out about Dyson. I, I know you touched on this in the last one, but I've generally felt that Dyson post injury, and by the way, I should point this out. I wrote it on the story, but the Brewers put OPS on their scoreboard. Yep, which I, I think noticed is, that last year too. Yeah, and I kind of was Bailey, are you a big fan of OPS on the scoreboard. Huge, huge fan of anything the Brewers do. Yeah, really for sure. Um, <laughs> Can't can't disagree with anything, um, but yeah, uh, it, it was when you look up and you see like an eighty four ERA or whatever. For, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like what? <laughs> it, it is a little bit shocking. Um, but uh, but I think Dyson's been as advertised. I think since the injury, since he came back, um, and I would say Romo. You know, I think you could say the same thing for Rogers um, a couple weeks ago. When you have those kind of a ball squeaks through the infield mm-hmm. and air, all that stuff. It just feels almost inevitable that something's going to come. I know that Romo's just got to execute, but who who was that rookie? It was like a second Trent home run. Grisham. He had a good at bat against Romo in the first game, you know, and and so I I see you know Dyson and Romo as kind of advertised. Mm-hmm. Are you generally on board with yeah, that? Yeah, I think they've been fine. And by the way, I I tweeted Trent Grisham did not write the book on playing left field. <laughs> John Grisham joke, but also he ran into the fence and basically did a Williams Estadio. Yeah kind of crumpled up. I was uh, seeing future Hall of Famer Keston Hero. He, yeah, uh, his, swing, his swing is... He's really good. It's a nice one. Yeah, he's really good. Like, he is not great in the field, though. No. It, well, he would be a definite DH because he... Even, I think, maybe in the Twins game, but there was a game... Uh, one of the Nationals games went to like the 14th inning. Oh, that and, one was 13-13 in the 13th. And then, yeah, it was the most one of the most ridiculous games I've ever seen. But it was in the, I think they ended in the 14th. It was mm-hmm. like a routine ball to second base to end the game. And Hira just threw it away. It was, Oops. yeah, it was rough. It does remind me a little bit of Luis Arise playing second base because Arise is not, not great over there either. Yeah. But at the plate, future Hall of Famer. Yeah, he, he was he was looking good, but uh, uh, yeah. I'm not sure Arise is a future Hall of Famer, but he's he's pretty good. I get a lot of people asking me if he's the next Tony Gwynn, and uh, it's a little quick for me for that. Maybe maybe Hira is the next Tony Gwynn, but I don't yeah. think Arise is. Yeah, people are gonna. I mean, I've been impressed by Arise, but I think people are gonna get people exaggerate a little bit. Also, it's fun people celebrating a pitch or a player who's not really a home run hitter in mm-hmm. this era. They, yeah, they still there's room. I always say like I think like Lamont Wade probably can find his way if he can. Hit like he did in the minors, even mm-hmm. though it's not power. He is getting on base. Um, how much? How many home runs would a guy like Ben Revere hit in this era? Like twelve? Yeah, I was gonna say. I think he get, get like to Jason 10. Tyner would hit like five. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of. How much do you want to go into the Texas series? I just thought they took care of business. It was at times maybe a little more exciting than people wanted, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's impressive also to go into that heat and and not slip up. In, in you know any, any of those games, all three or all four of those games, well over three hours too. I mean, oof, I can't imagine that. I'm glad. I'm glad I wasn't down there covering. Yeah, uh, Jake Odorizzi told me last night the heat wasn't so bad because there was a nice breeze and it's a dry heat. Yeah, it's not but, like when it was here. Well, then yeah, he said he pitched he pitched the rainforest game here. Yeah, and he like so Brian Hall, the AP guy. Yep, 
asked him what it was like to pitch. Yep. And Odo goes, what do you think? And like, we thought that was just going to be it. Yeah. Like it was just like kind of a, as, as sharp as Odo can be. Yeah. Because he's got a very low key personality. Yeah. He barely registers on the, the decibel meter when he talks. Cause he's yeah. just a quiet guy. Very thoughtful. He'll give you yeah, good yeah. answers. But and yeah. then he, then he came back and gave him, you know, a really good answer, but it was just like, whoa, obviously I know he changed like his entire uniform after the first inning that game. Yeah. The dry heat's a little bit more palpable. Yeah. yeah. Or ob- just see, seem impressive. Anyways, yeah. they took care of business there. I think it's worth bringing up um, before we get into the Chicago game, which obviously is a disappointment. Mm-hmm. The, cause you mentioned Odorizzi, Gibson, um, both featured heavily in a piece you wrote about the pitching and kind of right. looking at, I think there was, including with me at times I'd look and I'd be like, I said 88, you're pulling them now. Um, but, and I don't know what the exact stat is now, but through a hundred games, 95 of them were pitched by the opening day rotation, right? Yeah. And 111, it was 105, I think. So the naysayer will say, well, the rotation isn't that good. So what does it matter? But at, why I think it matters to me, because you talked to Wes Johnson. I think you had Thad Levine in there, right? You talked to Briefly, Rocco. Yeah. Um, we had mentioned Odorizzi had a lot to say. Gibson obviously usually has a lot to say. Um, Odorizzi's point to me was the best one. Yeah. And he was the first guy I talked to. And he said, honestly, we're all veteran guys who know our bodies. Yeah. And granted, Jose Barrios, not exactly a quote unquote long term veteran, but. Really also, preps himself well. Also the workout warrior. Who's also been criticized for falling off late in seasons. But I, also Wes said that he is really good at recovery. Like Jose works hard, but he also recovers hard. So I don't know if that means Nelson Cruz style naps or what that means exactly, but. <laughs> I don't think anyone naps as much as Nelson Cruz. Maybe I do, but <laughs> <laughs> but Barrios, the, the baby of the group basically is the one who is as good at recovery as any of them. So he has little, I think we mentioned this, but little, little rubber balls he uses to kind of stretch out muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those t- webbed, uh, web and not web feet, but webbed, uh, web shoes. Feet. No web or not web shoes, but what is it? Like, you, you know, your feet stick the, out in the, them. The, the almost look like aqua socks. Or yeah. Something. something like that. Trevor and, May wears me says they're the best shoes he's ever worn for like going out but on it's, running. So it's not like hard lifting as in, you know, he's not putting up, weightlifter type weight it's more like micro i think he's working on little muscles to improve well, i'm sure he's doing stuff. plyos and stuff for like quick yeah. twitch in addition to pushing you know rolls royces and range rovers right um that's how he gets everybody out of the parking lot at the end of the night he's he, he pushes he's, he's, car. he stole bailey's car he just took a rope to the rolls and got it out yeah, of but there. it was like a ford escort like <laughs> what a what a that escort. that is brandon warren everybody uh-huh. insulting justin bailey um but uh I think it's more they have a system in place to keep the pitchers healthy. And there's a reason why they did all that, so that you have the same rotation now or a similar mm-hmm. one, you know, at the end of the season. I, I can make fun of his car because I had to pick him up one time, though. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah, so back to the rotation. Yeah, I think the other thing that people maybe don't realize is how much your replacement level suffers when you start relying on your 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth starters. Your Tim Melville's and your Nick Turley's and your Nick Turley. I mean, who else? Uh, Dylan G from the last few years. When you can stay within that five, and then your next three guys are are Devin Smelter, who people wanted in the rotation over Martin Perez, which I don't I don't hate as a point. I don't think it's one hundred percent super compelling, but he pitched well enough outside of the Cleveland game to be an option. Cole Stewart, uh, you know, we we don't really know what he's going to be. Or if he's going to be with the Twins for the long haul, yep. and then Lewis Thorpe looks interesting, but they're not—they're not dipping in the rotation. They're not dipping deep into the 
who was the big tall guy last year? The Aaron Sleegers, you know, those yeah, kind of yeah, guys. Yeah. They're not dipping into the guys who are better better served as depth in Rochester. And so as much as people are like, well, I'm not convinced this rotation is good enough, look around. The Twins, when people were arguing about it, had a – it was like they had a 3.93 rotation ERA and the Indians had a 3.89 or vice versa. And that was right after Cleveland had traded Bauer. So – the fact that everyone loves the Indians rotation and hates the Twins rotation, they've been statistically rather similar from an ERA standpoint for much of the year. And the Twins were second for a long time. Tampa Bay has been number one pretty much all year in the American League. But people are getting tied up in the idea that everyone's got to have the aces like the Astros do. And, and honestly, I mean, look at the Yankees. They haven't gotten anything out of Luis Severino. Jay Happ hasn't been good. James Paxton hasn't been good. CC Sabathia is on his last leg. Literally, he's going to retire at the end of the season. If they play the Yankees, pitching-wise, they should not be overmatched. Now, you've got the Bronx Demons to fight, and you've got the fact that their offense is unbelievable, but so is the Twins. I mean, if you replay that series that they just had here at Target Field 100 times, the Twins might win that series 50 or 60 times out of 100 because the offense, yeah. I think, for the Twins is even better than the Yankees. Yeah, certainly people in New York I know were... It's so funny. Like they're so positive about the twins. And when you heard what, how people reacted here, you're like, like are, are, are the we same even, team? Are yeah. we even the same? Yeah. Are we even looking, watching? The no, same it's team? easier if you're the better team or historically the better team to kind of celebrate the mm-hmm. lesser team. But, um, I, first of all, the ball affects pitching. We've, we've focused on mm-hmm. how it's no easy to hit home runs, which does affect pitchers, but also it's harder to throw certain pitches because of the laces and because of the smoothness. So it would be natural that in a year where you have this offensive explosion, it's not great for pitching staff. That's why you have bullpens. to compare to league context. I mean, what did I say yesterday? There was five teams with sub four ERAs, 14 under four, five Oh, so more than half the teams in baseball had a pitching staff ERA over four and a half. So when your team's sitting at 4-3-0, 4-4-0, and you think, wow, oh, that doesn't look very good, you're still better than average. And a better than average rotation with this offense, you can go to play with that. And everybody says, well, you get to the postseason and you can't match up with the Astros. Nobody matches up with the Astros, and yet the Astros could still get swept by the Yankees. They could still lose to the Twins. They could still lose to whatever wild card team comes out of that game, whether it's Cleveland or the Twins if they end up playing in it. Anything can happen. The postseason is a weird mistress, and you have to not get so wound up with the idea that the best team from each league comes out and they play each other in the fall classic. What was that stat you guys said in the last show? Ten of the fifteen like runs or something that haters given up are home runs. I think that was. Like that. I think we were spit fight, uh, yeah. spitballing, but oh, it was, just making things up. I see. No, it's they literally. It's either he strikes, strikes out or gives up a home run. And and just knowing from Bailey's texts. Nothing scares Bailey more than the than the bullpen of the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh yeah, I I, I think I texted you guys like if the twi- if Twins fans are still concerned about their bullpen, like just watch a Brewer game. Like it really, <laughs> and we they don't have a good rotation to like fall right. back on. Yeah, really, right. they have pitching is just an absolute crapshoot for the Brewers. I. I bet that haters TTO score is off the. the now rails. in that that Nationals game, he came in, he gave up. The, the one that went into like 14 innings or whatever. Mm-hmm. He came in, um, we're up by one run. Uh, immediately, he first and second, like walks the first two batters, gives up a hit, um, 
then it's a tie game, loads the bases, no outs, and then three up, three down. Like he literally just somehow turned it on right in the middle there. Um, so people think that maybe that could be a turning point for him where he got some sort of momentum back, but it's it's really just literally hit or miss with pitching right now. So he's faced 220 batters this year, and let's see, 139 of them have struck out homered or walk slash been hit by a pitch. So 60%, what's, what's 13 over 22? It'd be 60, 60-ish percent yeah. of the batters he's faced have either walked, struck out, or hit a homer. And granted, his walk rate is, is really good. Yeah. But that's what I mean by TTO score. That's three true outcomes is the idea that the modern hitter either homers, strikes out, or walks. I mean, the Adam Dunn situation, I mean, Harmon Killebrew was one of them as well. It's remarkable, though. He's, he's given up 13 home runs and 32 total hits. Yeah. 13 home runs, 19 earned runs. It's I mean, ridiculous. Yeah, there's that's pretty much, unless he gave up all 13 solo homers, there's a good chance that 90% or more of the runs he's given up have come on long balls. And it's because they got into it a little bit during that game. Is He's a fastball thrower. He, he can touch almost 100, uh, but it's consistently in the top 90s. And... When when he strikes people out, it's up in the zone because you can't. It's just you can't Jake react fast enough. That. But he's having an issue with control. So when he throws that fastball, it's down in the zone. And so when he gives up hits, it's just a mm-hmm. meatball that, right down the middle. That was Gibson against Chicago. It sounds like yeah. he was trying to yeah you know, use. He was trying to throw high to set up his off speed stuff right, and he just the, threw the it. Abreu one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He just threw, and I mean. That's going out no matter what. Even no ball or whatever. If, if Rosario makes a good throw to the plate, he probably gets Skull out and then what? Abreu leads off the next inning. But I know we're going to Chicago. What did you think of that, the, the guy's foot in front of Sano? So Rocco said that those are really hard to prove because you have to basically have no path whatsoever. Yeah. And I wrote about it for his own cover. He could have Check it out. taken his hand around. But, yeah, the big thing is that if you have any sort of lane whatsoever – they're very, very difficult to get overturned. So while I thought that his foot was kind of angled towards the plate and Sano basically slid right into it, apparently Rocco thought that the one that they challenged the day before in Texas with Mathis had a better chance of getting overturned. And also I think it was in the sixth inning, the Sano one, so I think they didn't want to burn their challenge on something they didn't think was going to get overturned. And honestly there still was some game left. I don't know. That That's me kind of projecting that last part. But I think the problem is that anytime you challenge, again, blocking the plate, that rule is so ambiguous. It's written in a way where it's kind of open to interpretation. And I guess that's extremely seldom that they get overturned. I. So I think the logic checks out. Do you think that rule is correct? I don't know. Because honestly... I, like like Rocco said too, the throw can take you into the lane. So if you're just fielding the throw, you have to account for that. You know, like there was a play where, oh, it was the Jake Marisnik one. I think he messed up Jonathan Lucroy, Bailey's old boy. Yeah. And Bailey, by the way, is left. He's upset with us. He's just done. Dropped the microphone and left. But with Marisnik, I mean, he did kind of like lower himself and, and kind of like lunge to the plate. But the throw took Lucroy from the first base side to the third base side. And in the process, he gets clocked, concussion. He's had concussion issues in the past. All of that has to be figured. And I think that, too, is why it's so ambiguous, is 
the idea, the plan behind it, the purpose behind it, to not have a Buster Posey collision or, or whatever, it, it makes sense. But I just feel like the execution of it is lacking, and it's always going to be lacking because it's such a tough thing to prove. I, the other thing is I don't think you put your foot there just out of like for your own protection because Sano comes in a little harder, <laughs> not even intending to injure. Well, and it could be Jake Cave. I mean, based it, on his size too, though. I mean, he's, yeah, he's he's thundering it, home. It doesn't, you know, it does. It could be a more regular size player, Jake Cave, Max Kepler, like. That's a good way to mess up your knee. You know, a guy comes mm-hmm. in and takes your foot ankle, from it, knee, and anything. that's. I don't think he's putting it there to to block the plate. I think you're right. I think he's fielding the ball that was thrown. Well, and intent doesn't necessarily matter, but I think you could still have it called against him because also too, like sometimes it's just that's how catchers came up, especially older catchers came up. Yeah either blocking the plate or just used to receiving throws in certain places to tag quickly or to get a play, you know, take a chance on a play where a ball's a little bit further off and they have to swipe a tag, whatever. Sometimes old habits can die hard. And so I don't know that intent matters so much, but yeah, you're right. McCann certainly doesn't want to put himself in a spot where, you know, if he catches that ankle and turns it outside, you you blow an ACL, MCL, PCL, whatever, yeah. meniscus. Yeah. So I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, when I saw it, I thought, man, I think I would have challenged it. Sixth inning to me yeah. is probably late enough to roll with that challenge as well. But Rocco obviously knows better than I do the figures on how often those get overturned. So I'm yeah. going to defer to him way more often than not on that kind of stuff. Yeah, it definitely was one of the more controversial sure, sure. no calls. What do we got, Bailey? Is this the one from last night? Yeah. Um, well, we're yeah did about, did we then, offend you or what? You just left. I had to go to the bathroom. Well, so we nice. brought up Mariznick and Lucroy before. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would. I watched some of the Twins game last night. On while, my account, cool. While the Brewers were being no hit, and yeah, on, the just, account, on the account of Tom, <laughs> I just wasn't super into it. And then there was a uh, play towards the end of the game where uh, someone slid in towards home, and the catcher's leg was there. And you're saying in the Twins game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, McCann and Sano. Yep. Yeah, it was just. Uh, I thought it was a little weird. I, uh, I think it was either Dick or the other guy was just like, I know we want to protect the catcher, but sometimes you just run into him and see what happens. And you just was plow. that Smalley? Smalley was on the game. Get thrown right? out of the game. That's just, what happens. Yeah, but it, it it seemed. I think he was saying it from. It was one of those weird instances where maybe he was blocking the plate, maybe he wasn't. When did he actually have control of the ball? I just thought it was. Interesting. I'd replay it, but you know you're going to the replay, likely losing a challenge. I mean, well, and I, I, I wanted to get the replay to put it in my story yesterday, and they don't release those things until 90 minutes after the game. Yeah, I wasn't hanging out at Target Field for 90 minutes to no, get that into my story no, for sure. So yeah, and you can read about that that game last night. That's you know people are going to talk a lot about this. This is where if you want to criticize the Twins, when you know game to game, basically, here's your opportunity. It goes Chicago, Detroit. That's here. Chicago, Detroit. 13 away. games? 13 games. Then you go play Boston, Cleveland. What, so, what, what is your your quote-unquote acceptable one-loss record for you to, if people were besieging you or attacking you on Twitter, you'd say, no, this was fine. Like nine and four? Nine, nine is the win total I think you need. I think you really should get 10. I, I mean, Honestly, that, I can't imagine losing three of those games because of how bad these teams are. Chicago, though. But anything can happen. Chicago is not great. Chicago has enough offense. They can do what you did, they did last night, which mm-hmm. is take advantage of you know Gibson, who I think 
people are going to get upset. I do think he'll be a twin next year. I just, they don't, they're going to have three empty spots and mm-hmm. I think he's most likely to resign. Unfortunately, he's gone from what I thought was a third starter for most of his career to maybe four or five. It just seems like there has been a slight regression there. Yeah. Having said that, he got into the seventh, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he, you know, it, yeah, it was the squeeze that ended his night. I think yeah. Oh, two suicide squeeze, which like never happens. And then it's against it was a, a right, fun play, a right-handed pitcher who can see the whole thing unfolding against him. And he throws a pitch high, yeah. And Yomer Sanchez still gets it down. I mean, it was a good base running. Hats I, off, I, hats you know. Off. I think, um, yeah. I if this trend continues, this is where you. I, I try to kind of separate like what should you get upset about and kind of what's irrational. I've said this in terms of people bring up the pitching. Don't like burn down the house because they didn't get Stroman. He would have been a great addition. Mm-hmm. Don't freak out because they didn't get another a third reliever. I don't even think that's not cheap ownership or anything. That's just kind of the market was out of whack. I don't understand how people say it's cheap, too. There's, cost yeah. was not involved at all. That's how you know someone is just kind of unhinged. Yeah, or just upset about kind of past spending, especially mm-hmm. going in yeah. the Carl Polat era, which actually was fair. But, but also it was the Metrodome. Yeah. I think um, it's similar where don't freak out about Atlanta, Cleveland, Milwaukee. Those are three really good teams start to freak out a little bit if you start to see a trend of losing against these teams. Chicago's closer to 500. I think they've kind of slipped since the All-Star break. Yeah, I think like eight or ten games under now. But Detroit is really bad. Horrible. You know, you wonder if the players like get the up Like the Milwaukee of the AL. Wow. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Like, literally I, just if, I just wanted to see if he was listening. Yeah, Bailey was actually not listening. Sipping his seltzer and, and tuning us out. Yeah, he's drinking no, White Claw over here on a job. But, yeah, they, yeah, no, they're horrible. And there's really no reason that that the Twins shouldn't sweep Detroit. And I'm not saying one loss, you got to freak out. But uh, I think nine and four is where the Twins need and, to be. And why we say have to is this is what Cleveland did. Cleveland yeah. took advantage. Their, their schedule, obviously, they play the same teams. Just well, you, and you said sequence. the Ringer guys agreed with me that it wasn't a collapse. Yeah, I mean, I, that's it's the show national show I listen to most. I also try to listen to national commentary and stuff like that, whether it's TV or whatever. But um, they discussed this. Um, and they, yeah, they did not see it as a collapse. I see it more as people discounted Cleveland very early in the season. And it's because of the injuries they had because their ownership, to be honest, is pretty cheap and did not Mm -hmm. retain some of the players they probably should retain, but they're still a good team. I still think, and, and my dude, Chris from Cleveland pointed out, they still have one of the best managers in baseball. By the way, we're going to cold call him if the twins get five games up. Absolutely. And you know, Justin Bailey loves doing that. He did that to us. Yep. We're going to do it back. And I want to be like, yep. I want to pretend to be like, hello, we're from the Cleveland Indians ticket experience. <laughs> and so what do you think of the last game you went to? What did you think of the ballpark? And then be like, how cheap do you think the Dolans are? You know, kind of mess with them. And, yeah. then, and then just have a question where it's very obvious that, uh, you know, what are you going to do if someone sends you a Minnesota Twins division they, championship sweatshirt? They're, they're, <laughs> their owners are uh, related to like Dolan, the, the, the Knicks, guy. right? Yeah, I, I think yikes. so, which... Um, yeah, it's not good Oof. ownership. Yeah. Not good ownership. Just Bailey said, yeah. Should, should we do some reaction? I, 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 Yeah, yeah, and let's do it understanding that this is a bad loss individually. Like I said, read your coverage of it. But Yeah. Uh, and read your picture piece. But um, uh, if people start freaking out with losses here, this is actually the time they should be mm-hmm. creating a buffer between yep. them and Cleveland. So on a scale of 1 to 100, what is your level of Minnesota Twins-related concern? Justin Bailey, I'm sure, is zero because he doesn't care about the Minnesota Twins. He does when the Brewers are being blown out and yep. he has a free Xfinity account. <laughs> My, mine is like mine is like 10 or 15, but could bump significantly with a tough stretch here. 
Uh, Tom, what's yours? And then we'll go through Twitter and go with what people say. 40 or something. I mean, there's always kind of a concern after that loss and just that there has been a lot of losing recently, but yeah, 35, 40. Tom Schlafer says it'll go up to 98 if they go under six and seven against the White Sox and Tigers. So apparently seven and six is his barometer. To me, that's not enough because then if Cleveland goes like nine and five over that stretch, you're tied again. I think Cleveland can easily do that, even though I think the Mets are decent-ish. They've been surging since they got Stroman. Well, then they went back down too. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think you got to go higher. I think again nine and four, and you need to hold off Cleveland for another couple weeks, so that when you play again, you know you're not behind or have the chance to get behind. Anyhow, the next one, Greg Jensen says seven. It's a George Costanza gift. That's, that's pretty good. I, I kind of like the people that are real low, Jack. At Pint of Jack is five, and Sean Roderberg is three, although as far as doing damage in the playoffs, 84. That's a pretty big gap there. He's saying three, period. Three is right now like his worry level, like three out of 100. Nice. He's not worried at all about making the playoffs. He doesn't think they're going to do any damage. Yeah, and I should say, I don't know if I'm 30 for like making the playoffs. It's more will they. You said 40. Yeah, but that's that's because wild card is in play. If they don't take advantage right now, yeah, but the I mean, the wild card is not good. That's what I mean, though. I guess that I guess my concern would be included, um, like uh, the wild card is just a coin flip, right? So I mean, it, there's a huge difference out between winning division and getting the wild card. Dave Thompson says they're going to the playoffs so they can get beat by the Yankees or Astros. Starting pitching isn't good enough. We knew that at the beginning of this season, so I'm concerned, but I'm enjoying the Bomba Squad. Not at all concerned. You just said, I'm concerned, but I'm enjoying, so not at all concerned. What are you going to do? I sound like a Hollywood Hogan promo, if you ask me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think they have pit, enough pitching to make some da- to do some damage in the postseason because I, th- I think people don't realize, again, bullpens are really bad. If they get Gratterall, if they get Alcala, if they get Hildenberger, and, and all those guys are going in the right direction, suddenly you've got a bullpen full of guys who can be pretty good. You know, you're not going to lean on them. Heavily, like some teams have in recent years, but I don't know. I think that's still pretty reasonable. Josh Nichols says 10. Faith Larson says probably 60. She's a little bit concerned about last night. More concerned about Barrios. Hopefully a good start against the Tigers. We'll get him back on. And then she says, really, though, probably should be about a 20. She's just a little bit over irrational. Ian Stover says 30. Some issues with the team, but he's excited about Gratterall or Alcala coming up. And getting healthy, Buck, Buxton and Cruz coming back soon. I mean, obviously Cruz is back. Hopefully Buxton in early September. Obviously encouraging as well. Drew Wojak says 75 for this season, 15 for the future. Tough to win a World Series with his current pitching staff, but for the next three to five years with the prospects, he's really excited. I like this one. Fantasy Sleeper says zero. Bro, it's the Twins. They are around every summer, pretty much every night, like the sun coming up and down, no cause for concern. My man, I like that. Uh, I like that ad, too. And then yeah. Maestro Fluger, that's a really crazy name, <laughs> says 25 for winning the division, winning the World Series, 80. I can't hate that. Hmm. I, I think that's fair. I, I think people have to look at it as this is not the end of the competitive window. We've said this a lot, but this should just kind of open that window. And the, not winning the World Series this year, the World Series or bust is kind of ridiculous given like kind of where they started. Mm-hmm. I get that it should be in play given – home run records and all this stuff. Yeah, but World but Series and Bust is so 2010. When they'd made the playoffs yes, all for those sure. times. Like, 
it just I don't understand how people just kind of sweep the last nine years under the rug and say, oh, we're back to World Series of Bust and we need an ace. Like, yeah, that was nine years ago. You should really maybe. At, at, so, at some point, there's going to be more agency. They will empty more of the farm system. It's just you still have to be responsible, I think, with that because there's going to be no, more needs down the road, whether it's actually a player coming from the farm system or whether it's a farm system piece that you trade in the offseason, trade mm-hmm. at the deadline. Yep. Um, I mentioned this off air, but who, who do you think can come up of the that kind of triple A, double A crowd and help their their bullpen? Beyond what we've seen, Thorpe and to the extent Stuart Cannon, to the extent, you know, Smeltzer and those guys can. I mean, do you think is that a fair expectation or is that kind of a where where do we stand on Gratterall? Um I think Duran's kind of struggled a little bit, but he has stuff that you would think. No, it's would, Alcala. I, I was yeah. wrong when I said Duran. Yeah. Um honestly I think you're probably looking at, you know, maybe Cody Stashak, but again, a lot of the guys that they've had have been up. You know, there's Sam Clay has decent numbers down there, but I don't know that he's going to be any kind of factor. So Fernando Romero, does he get a chance? His numbers are kind of all over the map, but he seems you, to have the stuff. He, do he you believe in over. the stuff and give him a chance? Uh, to that, I, I say I don't really know. And so, I don't think, you know, Jake Reed has gotten beaten up pretty bad lately. I don't think he's getting a chance. And so beyond that, there's just nobody else that really stands out. I think you, you're you looking at Gratterall, Alcala, and that's about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's kind of the guys who are there need to step up, especially I think of a, like a guy like Thorpe. Thorpe would, for his professional career, start to solidify himself if he comes in and every time he goes out, mm-hmm. he's reliably getting out. Yeah, he didn't look too bad last night. Um, yeah, I've been impressed. I, Cole Stewart also is a guy, it just seems like a big opportunity for him. Be nice to see him take advantage of it, although there's he's been up and down too. Uh, like literally like kind of results have been all over the place. The Star Tribune story said he'd been up and down like seven times this year. Yeah, and his results here have been mixed. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, kind of the Dyson's Ramos may... Obviously, Rodgers, you prefer Rodgers doesn't pitch back-to-back, especially when he pitches two innings. Mm-hmm. Um, how much How much do you care that Corey Kluber is now out for two weeks more with an oblique strain? It, it matters. I, I think mean, it, it does. I mean, And he's 33, something like that. I mean, And if they decline his option, he'll be a free agent this offseason. Yeah. I mean, he's at an age now where it might not be a really great marketplace for him. Yeah, you would think he'd get a couple, couple of shots just given his track. Sure, but I mean – you know, Dallas Keuchel, you would have thought, would have gotten a lot better a market, and he's younger mm-hmm. and healthier. Yeah. Yep. So, again, I think Kluber is is very, very good when he's healthy, but nobody's going to trust him healthy. And if he doesn't come back and give Cleveland even just a couple good starts before the postseason, yeah. assuming, again, they make it and, and he's lined up to start one of those games or the all, the wild card game, um, boy, it could, get, it could get pretty ugly for him in the offseason and – he might be playing on a make-good contract, but I don't know. We'll see. Anything else? I mean, obviously, these are big games coming up, even if the opponents aren't great, literally because they should be winning. Yeah, a couple big righties on the mound tonight. It's going to be Reynaldo Lopez, who's been, I think, pretty good in the second half for uh, Chicago. Give him Cleveland on the mind here. And then Mike Pineda, big Mike Pineda, who... See what back. he can offer, because he was yep. good before he got hurt. Yep, and he was pretty good in Texas. Honestly, I think he might be your number two starter right now. So we'll see what happens. But that's all I have. Justin Bailey, you got anything else? 
Might be going to the game tonight. Um, Proud last of you. last Proud time you. I was there was the Mets game where they lost fourteen to four. So Bailey, uh, maybe don't go. <laughs> are you are you getting are you like mooching some tickets off Tom that he doesn't know about? I'm not. I think okay. I'm gonna run over. They have twelve dollar tickets for uh, like nosebleed, but there's plenty of spots you can sneak in somewhere else. Sneaky, otherwise, sneaky. otherwise fourteen dollar tickets, which include a hot dog and a Pepsi. Nice. Up in the wow. home run home run porch, whatever it's called. Not so. bad. The Bay of Bombas. Bomba Bay. Yeah, Bomba That's Bay. Bomba Bay Bay. Uh let's mercifully end on that though. <laughs> so that's all we got for this episode. We will be back on Friday. Hopefully we'll have a bunch of wins to talk about because, again, the Twins need to get some progress here with Cleveland in the rearview mirror. So for Justin Bailey, the producer, Tom Schreier across the table from me, this is Brandon Warren saying thank you so much for checking us out. Tune in on Friday for an all-new edition of Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. Chicago.